What is your next mission from God? We all have one. God has something in mind for us right where we are. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Based on Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, Julie shares unique stories from the lives of the saints to show how they searched for and discovered God's will for their lives. Can you imagine missing an appointment with the mother of God? Well, Juan Diego did. He missed his appointment, but she didn't let him get away with it. I'm talking about some of the really fun details about Our Lady of Guadalupe. It is such an amazing, amazing feast day in our church's calendar. So most of us are somewhat familiar with the story. An Indian man, uh, 57-year-old Juan Diego, he was in Mexico and the virgin you know, she appears to him. He's a Christian. He's on his way to mass and he hears beautiful music and she appears to him. And it's interesting because she appears as someone about 14 years old, you know, young. She also appears as native and Spanish, both like a mixture of both cultures, the Spaniards who had come and where they had learned the Christianity originally, and then also the native Indian people. So she's just uh, an in- interesting that that's in different cultures. It seems that way that, that Mary comes as one of the people who they are, meets them right where they're at. Well, she does here for this. And um, so anyway, he meets her and she identifies herself as as the mother of the true God, and that he should go to the bishop and ask for a temple to be built uh, in the valley in her honor. And so as the story goes, Juan goes to the bishop, and the bishop, of course, you know, he's asking for a sign, uh, so he has to go ask Our Lady for a sign at their next meeting. But what's really interesting is that I would hate to be faced with this kind of a choice, Juan was, he was a widower and he he was living with his uncle who was dying. And so the uncle needed a priest. You're Catholic. You learned that I want the sacraments before I die. And so he's got this appointment with our lady, but he also needs to go get a priest for his dying uncle. So he decides to skip his appointment, which was at the top of Tepeyac Hill. He decides to go around and, you know, not deal with her because he's got to get a priest and because the bishop, you know, is not believing him. So she intercepts him at the bottom of the hill. It's so interesting. Like she really wants to, you know, and I can't imagine the fear like, oh my gosh, I just stood up the mother of God and here she comes. (laughs) Would be interesting thing. But her response is beautiful. And I'm going to read what he said to her because he was very concerned about his uncle. Now listen to this. This is a prayer or a meditation, I guess, that we should take to heart. She said it to Juan Diego, and she's saying it to us. Listen and let it penetrate your heart. Do not be troubled or weighed down with grief. Do not fear any illness or vexation, anxiety or pain. Am I not here who am your mother? Are you not under my shadow and protection? Am I not your fountain of life. Are you not in the folds of my mantle, in the crossing of my arms? 
Is there anything else you need? That's the end of the quote. What a thing to say. I mean, she wasn't angry with him or anything. That's our mom. That's how she is. Anyway, Juan's uncle, he he didn't go get a priest because he was cured right then and there, which, of course, Juan believed and he found out later. So anyway, he tells her, you know, the bishop wants a sign. And so she sends him up the hill to go pick roses, Castilian roses that are from where he was from. So he would recognize them. So he goes and he picks these roses and then he comes back to her and she arranges them in his tilma, which is kind of like a rough cactus burlap type material, like a poncho sort of. So she arranges the roses and he folds them up and off he goes to the bishop. And when he gets there, we don't know exactly how it happens if there's a tussle with somebody and he falls or he trips or whatever, but the roses when he gets in front of the bishop, he he falls and the tilma opens and all the roses that our lady had arranged in his tilma, they all come tumbling out onto the floor. And then the bishop is then kneeling, looking at Juan. What he's looking at is this miraculous image, the image of our lady of Guadalupe. And then of course he's convinced it really is a visit from the mother of God. So what I think is interesting is some of the, the symbolisms are just amazing. The blue mantle, blue was a sign of royalty. It was a sign of virginity. And it was also the color that a goddess or goddesses would wear. And in Christian art, which maybe they wouldn't have recognized necessarily, I mean, when I'm talking about the Indian people, um, in Christian art, it symbolizes eternity and immortality. Then her dress in the image is a red rose color. This is like the dawning, like the dawn, the dawning of a new era. You could think martyrdom, things like that. There was a black sash and it was tied high. So she's pregnant and she's with child at the same age that she would have been when she was in Nazareth. That's interesting that she takes care of that kind of detail. There's more to this, though. The crested moon. Now, when you look at it, you might not think it's a moon because it's black at the bottom of the image. And sometimes when you you pull up an image on the Internet or whatever, pull up a full image because often the bottom part is cut off. And there's a lot to that bottom part. So you want the full image and you see it kind of looks like black points coming up on each side. Well, that's really a crescent moon and it's blackened. So if it were white, you would recognize it better. But that is, that's her standing on top of it. Well, there was a God and he was called the stone serpent. And his symbol was that black crescent moon. And so by standing on the crescent moon, she's showing that she's more powerful than the God of darkness. That's a beautiful symbol that the Indian people of her time would have recognized right away. Now, around the image, you see these points that kind of dart out. Well, they're actually they're actually rays of sunlight because she's standing in front of the sun. And they also, the Aztec Indians, worshipped the sun god. And so she's in front of the sun god. She's more powerful than him. And we remember that our lady is clothed with the sun. We get that from scripture. 
she stands in front of the sun showing that her God is more powerful than the sun God. Her head is bowed. Now in the Aztec culture, gods and goddesses did not bow their heads ever. They had big eyes and they looked directly at people, straight at them, showing their power to intimidate them. But her head is bowed and her eyes, when you look at an image, you might think they're closed. They're not. They're just cast down. They're not closed. But they show that she's humble and she's compassionate and she's not there to dominate. But also it showed them that she wasn't a god. Because think about it, they, they've got all these gods, it'd be easy for them to think with this image that she's just another god, maybe more powerful than the ones they've got, but just another god. No, she's showing them, yeah, I'm more powerful, and, I, but, and my god's more powerful, but I'm not a god. My eyes are cast down. There's cuffs on her dress, and this symbolizes royalty. So she's royal. There's stars all over her dress, her mantle. All over the blue mantle, there's stars. And it shows that she comes from heaven. But what's so interesting about those stars is that there's been studies done on those that configuration. And it shows the constellation of the stars at that date, at that place. So they match up with the constellations of December 12th, 1531. Is that just amazing? Then there's the angel supporting. He's underneath. There's, you know, it looks like a little man. It's an angel under there. And he's like supporting her. So in their culture, um, royalty, they were carried around. Okay. So it's like she's being carried and it shows that she's important and that she's the lady who's transporting them into a new era, a new age for them. So there's some more interesting things. The fibers, I said, they were like a rough burlap made out of cactus. It should have disintegrated within a few years, you know, 30 years at the most. But it's been, you know, it's been 450 years and it's still intact. And it wasn't under glass for many decades before it was, you know, now it's protected, but for a long time it wasn't. It was exposed to a lot of a lot of the elements and still it is intact. There's no sketch, no sizing, and no protective varnish on the image, and it still remains. On a microscopic level, there are no brush strokes. It's as if the image just were put there. It wasn't applied like with the paintbrush. They can't explain how it was applied scientifically. And the image is smooth. It feels like a modern day photograph. The one thing that I found very interesting about the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe was her right eye. You know, when you are looking at somebody or you're in a room, you can often see in a person's eye, your reflection, you reflect, you're in there. You see a little image of yourself, you know, in that person's eye because they're looking at you. With the onset of technology through NASA, they re-examined that eye, the little part that's open, you know, her eyes are cast down, her lids are partly down, but not all the way. And when, when that was examined through this technology in this modern era, 
you see distinctly the images of the people in the room, the same people, the bishop in the room when the roses fell and the, and the image was, was shown on his tilma. Like her eye was, you know, like real. It saw the people in the room kind of. It's, it's so bizarre and interesting and beautiful. And you wonder now, in the future, what will we find out about this image that we didn't know? You know, because that was an impossibility until recent history to examine that eye and see those images in there. We know infrared studies have shown it was not painted. Color did not penetrate the fibers as paint would do. So those are beautiful things about it. And then, but, but really what happened was nothing short of miraculous. Because of the veneration of this image, millions of people were converted in a very short time. It's the, the biggest conversion in history. And the culture there, you know, it was a culture of death, human sacrifices. And this was, this is one reason why the pro-life movement, they take Our Lady into the battle for the, for the unborn because she brings a culture of life. She did it then because it really was, that culture at that time was a culture of death. They sacrificed human beings all ages, all the time. There was blood running down those temples all the time. And it was just part of the culture. Human life was cheap, you know? And she brought about this awareness of, the preciousness of life. I mean, just think, just look at how she was speaking to Juan Diego. Listen and let it penetrate your heart. Do not be troubled or weighed down with grief. You know, he's talking to her tenderly like a mother. So she comes and she mothers these people and this image speaks volumes. They understood it and responded. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been my privilege to share this beautiful feast with you. And I hope you join me on future episodes. My prayer for you is that you are open to everything good that God has for you in your life. Pray with me now. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, we love you. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with Julie Durko, produced at the studios of Mater Dei Radio in Portland, Oregon. To listen to this podcast, visit materdayradio.com. To find out more about Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, or if you're in need of a Catholic speaker for a parish mission, retreat, conference, or event, visit catholicfinishstrong.org. That's catholicfinishstrong.org.